Um, I've been um, reading uh, recently in the book of Ruth. Gone back to the old book for a little bit. I know I've been talking about shepherd and shepherding for a while, but I wanted to go back to Ruth. I absolutely love this story. One I hadn't read in a very, very long time. And it's um, one of the few stories, if you can be honest, that is centered around women in the scripture. There's others, to be clear, there are lots of others, but they're centered around women in the Old Testament. And I wanted to bring this story out because it's so powerful and so important that I wanted to talk about that today, if you just give me some of your patience and some of your time. Um, I wanted to begin not by reading at chapter one. I'm going to explain chapter one afterwards. I'm going to speak to that, but I'm going to start chapter one and verse 19. And then I'm going to read through chapter t- most of chapter 2. I'm going to ask you for your patience because I'm going to have to build the story here. I want to remind everybody about the story. It's been a while. It's been a while since we've probably looked at this story. So I want to make sure we've, we've got this piece of history down in our heads. I want to make sure we've got a good bit of clarity on it. Okay. So I'm going to start the story beginning at um, chapter 1, verse 19. And before I get there, I just want to do a few, bit of an introduction. So uh, there's this man called Elimelech. A man called Elimelech has journeyed from Jerusalem all the way, all the way to Moab. And by going from Jerusalem to Moab, he leaves because there is a famine in the land. Thank you so much. There is a famine in the land. And he goes from Jerusalem, sorry, excuse me, from Bethlehem, excuse me, from Bethlehem, and you we know that Bethlehem's going to have a famous resident in some, some few more hundred years. But right now, Bethlehem's just Bethlehem. No one's, it's not a famous place. So they leave Bethlehem and they go to Moab. And they're going there because they are, in fact, uh, refugees, famine refugees. This happens all the time across the world. People leave one region because their food is scarce, the, the, the climate has changed, and they move as a result. This is what's happening with Elimelech and his family. Elimelech is married to a woman called Naomi. And they have two children, Melon and Chilion, and they go to this place called Moab, right? And in going to Moab, they set up a life. And what we find out, we don't know exactly the time frame, but Elimelech dies. Elimelech dies and leaves Naomi with her children. The children are now married. And 10 years later, what we happen to know from the scripture is that her two sons die leaving Naomi with her two sons who have now married Moabite women. They've moved from Bethlehem, they've gone to Moab. This woman is now in the land of Moab and she is destitute and alone. The reason why I say destitute is very important to realize what's going on at this particular time frame. Um, The most vulnerable people in our society back then would be women who were widows, the poor, and foreigners and at this particular moment in time Naomi is all three she is she's a widow she actually even probably in a worse situation because she's lost the children she had and now she's at the mercy of this in the land of Moab she's in the mercy of these folks she's at the most vulnerable moment in her life now her name is Naomi and the, na- the name Naomi actually means pleasantness. It means niceness, happiness, right? That's her name. That's her given name. And I'm just going to pick up the story right there. R- Ruth chapter 1, verse 19. 
So they have decided, in fact, I don't want to actually, I don't want to rush through this. There's a beautiful scripture in chapter one where Ruth says to, to Naomi says to uh, her two da daughters-in-law, Orpah and uh, Ruth, y'all can go. Look, my life's finished. Don't tie yourself to me. Go ahead. Get out of here. Just go back to your families. Restart again. And you can have a life. And that's where this beautiful scripture that Ruth kind of states, this beautiful, in fact, I'm going to try and find it. And Ruth said, this is what Ruth says to her mother-in-law. And Ruth said in verse 16, entreat me not to leave me. Don't ask me to leave you. This is how deep the love Ruth has for her mother-in-law, Naomi. She says, entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. I don't care where you're going. I'm just going with you. That's an amazing thing to say. Like, <laughs> sad to say, some husbands don't say this to their wives. But this is a daughter-in-law saying it to her mother-in-law. I'm in the land of Moab and I can go back to my family and probably restart. But if you decide to leave, I'm going with you. I am tying myself to you, not through my son, but just through the love I have for you. Man, we need more friends and family like this, by the way. <laughs> it says, she said, for whether thou goest, I will go. And I just love the KJ, King James Version. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Wherever you decide to call home, I'm going to call home. Thy people shall be my people. Remember, she's a Moabite woman. And she's saying, if you decide to leave the land of Moab, I'm just going to be wherever you call home. I'm going to call it home. And whatever people you call pe you people, I'm going to call my people. And she goes a step further and she says, and thy God, my God. The land of Moab is just worshipping some of everything. Did a little bit of research here. They are worshipping some of everything. They are probably descendants of Lot. We're not really sure about that, but they're probably descendants of Lot. And they are worshipping all kinds of stuff. So she's come out of this tradition. But now she said, I love you so much, I'm going to love what you love. If you love your people, I'll be with your people. If I love your God, I'm going to love your God. I'm just with you. This is a deep kind of love. Oh, this is a kind of love that we sometimes miss today. So she said, when thou diest, how far she goes, I, will I die? And there will I be, I want to be buried and die with you. The Lord do so to me and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Beautiful scripture. So beautiful. It's almost, it's, it's a love that you don't necessarily think of as anything other than, you know, a husband and his wife and a wife and his husband. You don't necessarily think about this kind of love, but this is the love she says. I don't want anything but death to part me and you. So they decide to go back to the land of Bethlehem. And this is where I want to pick up with verse 19. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? I told you what the translation of this means. Is this Naomi? And this is what her response is. I'm going to sit here for a second. And she said unto them, call me not Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. 
Oh, this is so heart aching. You can feel it here. I went out full and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, and her which returned out of the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. Interesting moment here is going on is that Naomi has, is basically saying, I don't want to be called Naomi anymore because I know what that means. And I instead, I'm going to be called Mara. The word Mara means bitterness. It actually means bitterness, and there's an underlying notion of strength within it, but it's still bitterness. Basically, what she's saying is, I've been, my life has been torn upside down. And I don't want to gloss over this, because the thing that Naomi has gone through is almost unimaginable. It is almost inconceivable. And we sometimes, as folks who are followers of Christ, sometimes like to gloss over the stuff that's tough in our lives. And I have no desire to do that. And this scripture doesn't do that. This scripture sits in it so that... So that she, Naomi's now sitting here saying, I don't want you to refer to me as pleasantness anymore. I want you to call me what I've gone through. And this is sometimes helpful, but it can be dangerous. Because sometimes we go through things and we definitely want to learn from them, but we don't want to be them. Like we don't necessarily want to be the thing we've went through, but we certainly want to learn from the thing we went through. <laughs> Which is why, so honestly, Ruth is such an important, this is why this scripture is called Ruth and not Naomi. <laughs> if I'm honest with you, this is why this particular book is called Ruth and not Naomi. They both go through things. Let's not forget, Ruth has also just lost her husband. And she has just took the place of being a foreigner now. She's a foreigner now. She's a, 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 a somebody who's from a foreign place, somebody who's an, an, an alien as you were. She has decided to come to Bethlehem. She's poor. She's a widow. She has taken away just a little bit of the grief that Naomi has and taken it on herself. I'll take on the grief so that you don't have to bear it. There's something about loving one another that asks, that causes us to look at their situation and say, I want to just help in just a little way. I can't stop you from being a widow but I can help you from being a foreigner in my land. Let me be a foreigner in yours. What kind of love is this? Mother-in-law to daughter-in-law. I love this. Absolutely love this. So she takes a little bit of the burden that Naomi's bearing, and she says, I'll bear it. And what I love about chapter two is that we see a little bit of a change here. It says, and Naomi. So the story that we've just built in chapter one is not finished. This is the moment in the film where you realize something else is going to have to happen because this has been all bad news so far. And she shows up in the land called Bethlehem. Thing about Bethlehem translates as the house of bread. It's interesting that they left the house of bread because of a famine <laughs> to go somewhere else. And when the famine's over, they said, you know what, let's go back to the house of bread. Okay. It reminds me, frankly, of the, the moments where we had to deal with this pandemic, right? Where we had to, like, 
we had to deal with not being close to somewhere that was comfort to us because of a season that was upon us. But the house of bread is back again. The house of bread has bread again. And in fact, they've landed at this moment at the house of bread just in time for the harvest. Just in time for the harvest. Let me read a few verses. This is where I want to read chapter 2. Please be patient with me. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech. This is Naomi's uh, husband. And his name was Boaz. You've probably heard about Boaz. And Ruth and the Moabites said unto, and Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, let me go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, go my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, and who was the kindred of Elimelech. This is an interesting moment. What's happened here, and I need to explain a few things here. In uh, the tradition of the Levitical priesthood, they would say to rich landowners, you have to have some of your field that is dedicated to the poor, that is dedicated to the foreigners, dedicated to the widows. Have a guess who qualifies for all three. Ruth now qualifies having moved from, they had no such rules in Moab, they move now to, to the land of Bethlehem. And they, are, they say, how are we going to eat? We are still as poor as we ever were. But there's a rule that's in place. You've got to have some of your field dedicated to the poor. I, I absolutely love this. Because you see the intent of God towards the poor in this scripture. You see the intent of God towards the foreigner in this scripture. Right? You see that the Lord has put provisions in place. And so what happens here is that she says, I'll go glean in a field. What gleaning is, is if I own the land, I get to reap the land and I create, you know, those sheaves of, of wheat. Okay? And whatever I don't pick up, whatever falls to the ground, I'm not allowed to go back and go get it. I have to let the poor, the widows, the foreigners go grab that stuff. I only have one chance to get it. I'm rich, I'm wealthy, I can afford it. But the poor have nothing. They don't have land, so they get to go get that. So, so Ruth's plan is, let me go glean the field. Like, let me go find a field and go glean in it. I found this interesting. She is still at this moment in absolute mourning. She's still at this moment just having lost her, her husband. She is in a foreign land. And the thing she's saying to herself, I'm going to go and find the thing that somebody else left behind that satisfied themselves, but I'm going to find the part that is going to give me nourishment. <laughs> I was thinking about this just as I was thinking about this week. We have so much blessings. We have so much things. And I wonder sometimes if the things we just leave behind would be a blessing to somebody else. Like, we are so focused sometimes on what we don't have, we don't even realize the waste we have. I don't know if you've ever looked at your fridge at the end of the week and said, oh, this is throwing this out. Oh, look at this, I'm throwing this out. We literally have a ritual every Sunday about the food we're throwing out into the garbage. And if somebody else who was hungry had opportunity for that, they would have ate that a long time ago. Sometimes the things we leave behind are so valuable and we don't even realize it. Ruth is seeing the value 
Not in what they're collecting, but in what they're leaving behind. There's blessing sometimes in what is left behind. And we've got to go find it. You know, sometimes when you hear a message, I don't know if you've had this happen, where you hear a message and somebody's preaching, somebody's teaching, and you say to yourself, I didn't get anything from that. And somebody else says, man, that was the message of my life. Like, I heard in that message the thing that you left behind. You put on a song and you say, this song has been blessing my spirit. You put it on for your friend and they hear it and they're like, "Mm, okay, yeah, thanks. (laughs) Meanwhile, your spirit's full of the Holy Spirit. And and they're sitting there like, "Mm, yeah, thanks. They aren't seeing the gleaning. They're missing the thing that's being left behind. It's precious to you, but they're not seeing it. I'm saying just don't, just don't worry about what's been collected. Focus on what you can get. Ruth made a connection with what was being left behind. She said, I'm going to be blessed by this. Here's what's the fa- fascinating thing about it. At this point, Ruth doesn't know that she's in the, the field of Boaz. We mentioned Boaz right up front as somebody who's important to the story. But Ruth at this point doesn't know who Boaz is. In fact, at the end of the chapter, Naomi says, oh, that's Boaz, right? You're in the field of Boaz, right? And so what has actually happened here is that the Lord has set provision for Ruth so that she will have more than she needs. She will have absolutely more than me. Let's keep reading here. Verse four, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, Um, from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers the Lord be with you and they answered him the Lord bless thee then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers whose damsel is this who is that girl (laughs) right so now they don't know each other at this point and the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said it is the Moabite damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab a couple of things to note here he doesn't call her Mora He calls her Naomi, still does call her Naomi. And I'm saying that to say, just because you've been through something and you've associated with something, I don't have to be the one to confirm that on you. I'm still gonna say the Lord can deliver you. I'm still gonna say the Lord can help you. I'm still gonna say the Lord can make you make a way out of no way. I don't want you to become the bitterness. I don't want you to become the pain. I want you to learn from it, but I don't want that to be you. I want you to overcome it and I want you to conquer it, but I don't want that to be you. Amen? So I'm still going to call you Naomi. (laughs) Verse 7, and she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, hearest thou not my daughter? Go not to glean in another field. Boaz is basically, he must have been enamored with with Ruth immediately because he said to her, don't go glean, don't go behind anybody else in another field. This is your field. Because technically the landowners could get a bit stingy. They could say, okay, um, I haven't finished there yet. You can't glean there. You can't take that. But he's telling Ruth, no, no, no. You're good. Stay exactly where you are and glean all that you want. Right? Then said Boaz to Ruth, Hearest thou not my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maiden. So you see the women that I've come with, you can stick with them. Let thine eyes be on the field that thou do reap, reap, 
and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink to that which the young men have drawn. So he's basically said, look, I've told everybody not to touch you. You have a special place here. You can glean as much as you want. In fact, when you're thirsty, don't go with the women. Go get the men's drink and you can drink from there. Something special is happening here. But here I want you to tell you something. Even though Ruth, Ruth didn't go there knowing that Boaz was going to be good to her. Ruth went there in the middle of her tragedy and went looking for something. <laughs> That's why I don't want you to be rename yourself too prematurely to the thing that you're going through. I want you to look and you some, sometimes you can find the good even in the very bad. Even in the worst, you can find something that slipped behind somebody else and I'm just going to see the good right there. <laughs> Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, that thou go after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said, Why have I found grace in thy eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am seeing I'm a stranger, the word for stranger here in this KJV is foreigner, seeing I am not known to you whatsoever. You don't know anything about me, you don't know my history, you must assume that I serve somebody else because I'm not from here, right? And why have you been kind to me? I'm gonna take a little bit of a sidestep. We have to be very careful how we choose to, to, to treat strangers, how we choose to treat the poor, we have to be, every single scripture seems to reinforce all the way to Christ, this idea of how we treat the stranger. Let's be careful. Let me keep going now. I didn't want to stay on that too long. And then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, it hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity and art come unto a people which thou knowest not before. The things you've done to get to this position, the mourning you've been through, even in the middle of your distress, you're still looking for the gleaning. You're still looking for what's left behind not for yourself, but to help somebody else. Boaz is amazed by her. She's amazed by Boaz. But Boaz is saying, look, I'm amazed by you and by who you are and what you have done and how you've dedicated yourself to your mother-in-law. And Boaz answered and said unto her, it has been fully shown to me. I'm going to drop down to verse 12. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord, God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. I'm seeing you trusting the God of salvation. Then she said, let me find favor in thy sight for that thou hast comforted me. That's the part I wanted to stop on. She was in that field still with all the distress. Sometimes we get past the, we want people to get over their problems. <laughs> and sometimes they have to just live with them and find the gleaning. Like you have to, there's no way around it. You have to live with the distress. Sometimes I think we can pray their distress away. No, what we're doing is praying them through it. Yes, yes. 
And, and Ruth is saying here, I'm still in distress, but you're bringing me some comfort right now. Right. And so sometimes I think we have to stop praying the prayer to just get rid of it, that we should pray, but it may not happen. But if they do have to go through it, let's pray that they find something left behind for which they can give thanks for. The Lord recompense thy work and full reward be given thee of the Lord, God of Israel, under those whose wings thou art come to trust. Verse 13. Then she said, let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaids, though I'm not like any of your people, you've shown me this beautiful kindness. And Boaz said to, unto her, at mealtime, <laughs> now he's inviting her out for food. At mealtime, come thou hither and eat of the bread and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers and he reached her a parched, a parched corn. So he's getting her food now. Still don't know who each other is. He, she doesn't still know about him in detail, but she's about to find out. And she did eat and was sufficed and left. And when she was risen up again, up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men saying, listen to this part, let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. Let me just explain what's been said. He's basically said, let her get as close to where you're collecting when she's collecting what she wants. And don't bother her. Let her do it. That means she has the first choice of what's left behind. The Lord... The funny thing about this scripture is it doesn't say that the Lord did this and the Lord did that and the Lord made it rain and the Lord made the wheat come, but he's absolutely there. Giving them provisions in the middle of the problem, in the middle of the misery, in the middle of the suffering, in the middle of the mourning, the Lord is still making a way for Ruth. I love this because it doesn't make me deny that I'm going through something, but it lets me absolutely know that if I look carefully the Lord is still right there and let fall some of the handfuls of purpose for her not only is he saying she gets as close as she wants when she's gathering the gleaming he's saying actually do it on purpose let some fall on purpose <laughs> I'm loving the blessings of the Lord for this woman still mourning but the provisions are still there. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I'm just, I'm, I don't want the Disney version of this story. I want the real. Yes, yes, yes. It hurts, but we're going to be okay yes, yes. if we can see it, if we can focus on it. I don't know if you've ever been with somebody and all they see is the negative. Yeah. Like that's all they will see. But you're all, you're all healthy. You're, you're doing okay today. Yeah, but uh, it's raining and I was hoping it would be for sunshine. Like I, we don't, we can look for gleaning bad or we can look for gleaning good. Ruth went not knowing who Boaz was, but the gleaning for the good led to more gleaning for the good. <laughs> All right, let me finish out here. I'm about to get out your way. And she took it up and went into the city. Verse, uh, sorry, verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until, even, until the evening and beat out that she had gleaned. So when you, you basically have a wheat and it's still stuck to the stalk, you've got to beat, get rid of the stalk, right? So she beat it out. And it was about an ephah of barley. An ephah, 
Now I'm not an agricultural guy, so, but I had to do a little bit of research and ether is about 45 kilos. I think that's about 90 pounds. So she, in her work, in one day, gets 90 pounds of wheat. She, she has been, she, I've been surprised if she was 90 pounds, right? Like, so, so here she has all this, and she took it up and went into the city, and her mother in the law saw that she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her, and she reserved after she was sufficed. And the mother-in-law said unto her, where hast thou gleaned today? See, no one still knows who Boaz is. We've mentioned him a few times, but Naomi, Naomi doesn't know. And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, the man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, the, the man is near kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. Now I'm going to do a Bible study a little bit of this, this, but this is an important idea. This kinsman is an idea that is in scripture, in the Levitical priesthood. What it basically says is that if somebody accidentally gets, or not accidentally gets, purposefully put into enslavement, they can be redeemed by a near kinsman. I can get you out, but I have to be related to you. So this idea of being a kinsman was an important idea. It's my responsibility to look after my family, right? And there's a connection here to the Christ that I want to just touch on really quickly. It's why we are adamant about putting on his name. It's why we are called children of God. Because he's a near kinsman to us. He gets to save us. You see, if he wasn't near kin to us, he says, beloved, now are we the sons of God, now are we the children of God. The reason why we are children of God is because Jesus gets to redeem us. He gets to help us. You say, well, you don't have, this isn't your business, the Christ. You could say, to, no, I'm a part of his family now. <laughs> Amen. He gets to redeem us. Ah, amen. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth the Moabite said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men, until they have ended all harvest. So not only has she got gleaning for the day, she has gleaning until everything's collected. She not only has gleaning for barley, she has it for wheat. She has gleaning for everything she needs. And if she had not have given her kindness to Naomi, none of this would have happened. I'm choosing kindness, saints. I'm choosing love. I'm choosing dedication. Because I believe even if the Lord doesn't send a Boaz to me, I believe I'll have enough if I find the goodness even in what people have left behind. You know, minister was telling me the other day that um, at, he goes to work and literally gives the message um, to a few people. And I was thinking about that in the week. And I said, when I was reading this, I said, he's giving the gleaning. Like they're not here hearing the whole message, but they're giving the gleaning the stuff that's got left behind. Man, go back over this message. Think about it when you go, go read the scripture yourselves. Get the gleaning out of it. There's good if you look 
and I'm determined to look more deliberately. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of this word. Bless you, bless you.